By the way, uh, Kill a Lot, I appreciated your previous comment without one of the one minute timer we wouldn't know if we had three minutes left or not (laughs) (laughs) the one minute countdown's up that means two minute warning hello and welcome to the bite size gaming podcast podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are the Dwarven DM, John Christian, Lolly Ho, and the Dapper Dungeon Master, Troy Sandlin. Ooh. Greetings, one and all. Dapper. <laughs> you see how refined this has become now? I don't like it anymore. It's like, like it just, it, you know... It, so we, the buffoonery is, I think, part of the chemistry of this thing. It's the alchemical th- thing, zhuzh, that makes it so good. I think I, I think pretty much the only thing that was refined may have been the, the intro. intro. Yeah. Mm. yeah so nice. I think buffoonery is in full effect, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, continuing our conversation from pre-show, I believe Girk has o- simply opened a new window as Killalot has suggested, and muted this one. Yes. Um, so <laughs> he's watching. That, he's watching quality while still maintaining his uh, uh, his viewership yes. here. <laughs> yes. Uh, Troy will be showing up in a smoking jacket and cravat next week. I, I, is, I should. Now that's dapper. With a pipe. Yes. It'll be great. Uh, well, hey, we're going to do a couple things tonight. Um, we are forsaking the news segment, um, for this evening to instead do not our actual, uh, uh, post-con conversation, but a abbreviated version of it. And then after Origins, we will do a true episode of post-con conversation, and we'll probably get Thomas on for that one, would be my guess, like... Like All this stuff back to back because Gen Con last or this past weekend, celebration this coming weekend, Origins the following weekend. Yeah. Yes, exactly, Kirk. This is the pre post con conversation. Yes. Yes. I think that's about right. Uh, so. it's. I think we should call it con posted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Con posting? Yeah, composting. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. That's great. Wonderful. Well, let's do this. Uh, so, John, you were not at Gen Con. You did not make this one. No. The I'm rest of us did. Yeah. Um, I got yeah. I got the I got the salt in the wound spiel from the guys last or yesterday. That was wonderful. Mm. Of all of the mm. awesome things that they did and adventures they went on, cool people that they got to hang out with. Hey, look. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. I was glad, though. I was happy for them. Mm-hmm. Bummer, but at the same time, we were all we were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's all good. So, Troy, I thought that maybe what we could do is just like uh, a abbreviated like highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, 
I think maybe that's the uh, that's the way. Maybe just a point or two of like these were the cool coolest things or I've, some. Yeah, I've got something that's that's actually kind of newsy in a way <gasps> Ooh. from the con. <laughs> okay, okay, I could be down for that. Okay, sure. Well, let's just dive right in. What do you have? Well, uh, both of us went to the free league booth. Yes. And what and it was an awesome set. I mean, it was a it was long. It was a really long booth. They had all their stuff there. And we we didn't return. We, and we really should have. We should have went back Sunday to see. But I I stopped over there. I believe. I think it was Thursday, wasn't it? Yeah. And I talked to uh, one of the guys at, behind the booth there for a little bit. And he said, I asked him if they were going to Origins, and he's like, yeah, but at this rate, we won't have any product. And they can't get any because of all of the the, the, the shipping difficulties and the paper shortages for printing and all this stuff. He's like, yeah, I was just on a call the other day. No, it was Friday because of their they had such a good first day. They pretty much sold out of all of Vason. And the there was a Colonial Marines book for the Alien RPG. And they had the only copies for sale in the U.S. Oh, wow. And it's like, and they're almost gone. So, yeah, he's like... We don't know what to do. We we had our our phone call with headquarters this morning, and they're like, "Well, just just do what you can." But I mean, that's so that's kind of newsy, and it, and it, and it's nothing against free league whatsoever. It's all the weird stuff going on in the world that is fighting against them because their their products are so awesome. Hmm. Well, but, and you know, uh, people are super excited to get back out there, and they've probably been holding, you know, like. Saving up their pennies for Gen Con for all those purchases, those uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the, for a while now. So now that they got an opportunity to finally let loose and open up the purse strings a bit, got nothing but money to spend, money to burn. Yeah. So we will be heading to the Free League booth. I will be heading to the Free League booth. Uh, Thursday afternoon after my first uh, slot is done to go see how much product they've got and if nothing else if not a, if not a video I'll at least take a picture we'll be doing video I'll be sure of that I've got my phone with me so you know mm. Troy relax I'll, I'll cover <laughs> it <laughs> I, I'm going to hyperventilate so uh, you'll have to forgive me I think my Discord and, I don't know, something is on the fritz today. Mm. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to suffer through this. Missed most of that, but I heard Troy talking about Free League, so I'm going to assume that that was your, biggest, your big highlight, part one. Yeah, my newsy, my newsy thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I bought so much Free League stuff that that should be my highlight, too. Um, so Zach's part of the reason why Free League is going to Origins with no product. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the other thing that I would notate as like a really cool uh, uh, moment was that I got to run half of my XP track table were a group of guys that played in our Eberron special 
last Gen Con online. And so it was kind of like a homecoming game uh, in that, you know, uh, people or folks that were already, you know, close in and really enjoyed uh, stuff that we put together. And um, it, it made it feel, you know, all that much more special. That's how it, that's how these cons always go, right? Like, you run in, you run into players or DMs or streamers or creators that you've been in touch with for the whole year online, uh, and then you get to see them in person, and that's just kind of a f neat experience. So, and and with the past eighteen months, yeah, it made it even better. So, yeah, 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 yeah. We also had a booth. At Gen Con, and we'll talk about that probably more uh, in the uh, post-con conversation in a couple weeks. Uh, but also, I think the funnest thing that happened, the, the, the most delight we got from the weekend, at least on my end, was Troy's Bite Size Gaming podcast mini extravaganza. Oh, yeah, that was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you printed out like a billion minis and packaged them all up with wax seals, oh. twine, the whole nine yards, and we handed them out to folks all weekend long, and it was pretty fun. We had, now John, we had a request, uh, of course we had requests for, for the John Christian mini, uh, but... We also had a request for this to be series one. Oh, yes, yeah, hmm. yeah. I'll they would really that. like. They would really like a series two, three, four. The suggestion I think was that you know special guests, maybe or con or you know consecutive guests, mm -hmm. get uh, a mini. I think uh, we've got an upcoming guest probably in the next month or two. That would make a wonderful mini. Um, uh, we have another returning guest that the two of you don't even know about yet. Ooh. That uh, oh. would make a good mini. Yep. Uh, Thomas would make a good mini, mm -hmm. especially since mm -hmm. he's part of the con con crew. If he's uh, not, if he's not wearing a mermaid outfit in his mini, then <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. Then is it really Thomas, though? Is it? Is yeah. it? That, that's what I'm asking. How how true to form is it really? If that's not the if that would be awesome. Brand. That would be awesome. You know what? Season two, series two, it's happening. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, kinda, it's just I, one. I, I, it's I almost, just an expansion. I almost feel like yeah. I almost feel like you know <laughs> that. Why would that? Because I think season two minis would be for next Gen Con. Hmm. I yeah. think there could be there could be uh, a case for an expansion. Yeah, maybe a limited release, like Winter Fantasy Special Edition. Yes, is the uh, is the Thomas Mermaid and <laughs> weird something <fans>. else, right? <laughs> you know, it'd be great. It'd be so great. okay, so let me let me ask you this: so we handed those out, or you 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 guys handed those out uh, at Gen Con? Yeah. We'll hand them out. We will actually be able to hand them out at Origins. Yep. So the quote-unquote limited edition John figures will be... Uh, yeah, John is the chase figure. John is the chase figure right now. Um, yeah, so here's the question. Do we... Is this something we want to make available to people that are not going to be in person? How do we... And how do we go about doing that? Because I know that they kill a lot, and a, couple, and a couple of the other guys out there are asking about it, how to get a hold of them, because they weren't able to make it. 
for giving that any consideration? Maybe. The answer is yes. The answer is that we will figure it out. We will figure uh, it out. Gotcha. So if you're, if you're a, a person who uh, just is not feasible to hit the cons, then you should dip. So I liken this to my collection of Star Wars figures, right? Which mm-hmm. none of you really see because they're all in boxes. But like, it's the funnest when you go out into stores and you have to hunt and find them, right? Mm-hmm. But if there's zero possibility of you finding the figurine in your local store, if you're not going to be able to ever attend a convention, or at least not in, in the next year or so, then you go online and you do what needs to be done to get what you need, right? Yeah. Oh, hang on a second. I, I'm sorry. Craig, brilliant. He asked if we could stat out each other's mini. Oh, yeah, that's a plan. That's, that's part of the plan. I love that. That's it. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. CR0, John Christian. <laughs> yeah, we are the new big best. Now, what, one of the little highlights that, that stemmed from these minis. So we're walking around. Zach and I were walking around and uh, talking to this guy who's probably going to uh, come on the podcast fairly hmm. soon. Um, had a booth. Uh, really excited. And, and I, d- I didn't have any just, just podcast business cards on me. All I had was the minis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zach had no minis with him. He didn't, he, he didn't, uh, take them around. But I did sometimes. He did sometimes. My, my, uh, sack Listen, of minis. When you're getting left. swarmed, you know. I, well, that's, that's, I like, would throw like, them off in the distance to get people yeah. off of me. Right. That that's yeah. the problem is like I would walk through, I would step out of my hotel room with the with the BSG bag and immediately it was like a paparazzi, you know, mob. It was like it was like when Elvis would tour, you know. I was taking the my roll up chess off the plane. Yeah. Yeah. I was just taking my Chessex mat and driving people backwards <sighs> with like a pike. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a bendy foldable pike. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh man, but swatting so, them, swatting them away like a dog with newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. I had the spray bottle. He had the the mat. And yeah, excellent. We, it was like back to back. No, so we. I give this guy the the thing, and I'm like, yeah, there's a little thing in there, so you know, don't crush it or anything. There, you know. But I was like, we'll be in touch. Whatever. We walk off. We get to maybe like. Almost two aisles away from the guy. The next thing I ha- I know, somebody's pulling on my shoulder, and I turn around and it's this guy from that booth, and he's holding the mini. And he's like, "Dude, is this you? What what does your beard look like? If this is you, I need to know what your beard looks like so I can paint it." <laughs> and so I had to lift my mask up to show him my beard so that he knew how to paint it so that when he got home <laughs> and you I'm lifted like it, you lifted your face skirt for him. Yes, I, I flashed him my, my, my face nice. skirt. And it's like, man, go back to your booth so you, <laughs> so you can but it was go great. Yeah, it was an up it was an up mask pick. We have uh was, up mask pick. I love that. We have painting instructions. That's okay. We do yeah. have color versions of these miniatures that we can produ- we can make available to the public for those yes. that are the diehards Just, that need that need listen, to be able to paint these. The beauty of mine is that you can paint my mini whatever color you want, 
because then the final stage is just drenching it in red. Mm. Drenched. Yeah, just yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. <clears throat> so, so I don't know. Like we we could get into more, but I think like that was I, yeah. uh, in a nutshell our Gen Con experience, right? Like, I I will say this: I am going to save my super heartwarming uh, cuteness story for the yeah the post yeah the post post. Yeah, con there's a lot of great stories, uh, but we'll save those for the other. Yeah. Um, so the meat and potatoes of this conversation, the entree. The main mm-hmm. course uh, is something that uh, somewhat came up, definitely came up mm-hmm. during our Gen Con play. And uh, my XP track, and I think everybody has moments like this. Of, a, of an issue that, yeah. Okay, we, we lost you for a minute, Zach. Uh-oh. You said, you said uh, we all have a a thing like this and then you went silent so yeah well that's yeah a problem um <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah it's a problem we all uh we all have experienced elements of this and and since it was a fresh topic freshly out of the oven we figured this was the perfect time to chat about it right um we all have those moments where we want a certain creature to be our big bad or our boss fight or whatever. Um, but flipping to it in the monster manual or looking up at stats or just the base version of it doesn't quite fit the bill. Um, and so in those moments, uh, when action is needed for epicness to be maintained, I think uh, it's up to us to determine how best to implement that, right? And so I think this week is mainly going to be about how to take your monsters and, when needed, raise them to the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it's not just your big bad evil guy uh, for you know end of chapter or end of campaign fights, but it's also just that that one troll in that one cave on that one night that you just really want to be memorable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the great, uh, those are the great times as well. And often it's that fight that's going to be just as memorable as there's an opportunity for it to be just as memorable as uh, the fight at the end. Well, so yeah, how do, yeah. how do we create those moments? John, you've had to be, you've had to be silent here. All right, largely so through Gen Con talk. So why don't you mm-hmm. kick us off? Yeah, you got it. So for me, it, it, I am not, my strongest suit is not the tactical, right? Sometimes it, I am more of a hammer than a scalpel sometimes just because I'm so focused, laser beam focused on narrative and immersion that that's one of the things that, I, it's like one of the last things I think about, which I'd need to think about more. Um, but that being said, for me, in order to, if you want to punch up your monsters, giving them a, a proper motivation is important. And uh, I do, I tend to, um, depending on the situation, right? In the scenario, the, the the campaign that you're running, we've been running a lot of like horror lately, right? Or dark, like like or dark and gothic D&D. 
in those instances, it's less is more. I usually take like the the John Carpenter approach to monsters, where give them a good motivation, but don't ex- over explain from a narrative exp- uh, perspective. Don't over explain the narrative or their, what their motivations are, and then do it as I like doing the big reveal. Right, little bits here and there. You can kind of it's like the side of your eye. You can just see the, like the glance of the monster. The the they the, the player doesn't see them all. It doesn't just one big reveal outright. You're seeing bits and pieces of the monster as you go along, and then the reveal kind of like shows you everything that your mind had imagined that it could be. And now here's what the actual form of the thing is. So from a, I think more along the narrative than than tactical a lot of times with, with that. So for me. The where they are, what they're doing there, why they're there in the first place. Is there a layer that's associated to it? Um, and then what I'll also do is like because of those, I'll I, I can since I've thought about the layer, the layer becomes a part of the monster. And not necessarily just like action, like like a black dragon in a, in a swamp, right? That's where they. Not only where where they reside, but they like the the atmosphere and the environment itself has lent itself to helping them survive, and it becomes its own creature. Um, so the, the, those are the, the big the big points and the big elements for me with monsters is just making sure that, um, especially if it's the big bad or the mini boss or whatever you want to say, however you want to have it, it's not it doesn't have to be just something that is you know one and done. Or it has, or like just a mook or a minion that shows up as a random encounter. Is there a purpose behind it? What's its motivation? What is it trying to get out of you? Why is it attacking you specifically? Um, then that that helps me lends that if not tactically at least like how they behave in combat lends itself a lot to that. Um, tactically though, I used, I tend to follow the a lot of the Matt Colville design. Um, design strategies from some of the good stuff that came out of fourth edition was having monsters that have lots of options assigned to them, but not too much. Mm. So, right. Um, and making sure that like you've got 10 goblins, but not 10, the 10 goblins aren't going to all behave the same way, whether it's going to be different types of armor weapons. Is there a shaman in there somewhere? Is there a leader? How's the leader behaving? What powers does the leader have? It's a lot to manage. I think, but at the same time, what it adds, it adds way, way more color and, and uh, interest to the players where it's not just like, oh, okay, next MOOC, next MOOC, next MOOC, mm-hmm. right? Especially with those larger, when you have larger groups in particular, it's easy for them to all become very uh, like homogeneous and bland. Wait, did you say homogeneous? I did. As opposed to homogeneous? I did. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was the one thing I pulled out of here. <laughs> the one thing you got. Like I, I've been, I've been on like, a, I've been like word vomit for the last ten minutes. But that's the thing that we stuck on. That's, that's the thing fine. I what picked were, up. Yeah, that's fine. What else were you saying, John? Listen, what was, I was all the other for stuff the besides Listen, homogenous? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I mean that's. Oh my god. Beige. How about that? Beige. Everything okay. is beige. Beige. Okay, let Very me ask beige. you this, John, and, yeah. and like, to Zach too. Uh, I think that this is something that's kind of important to keep in mind when we're when we're talking about this. Are you talking about home game or are you talking about Adventures League? Because we do both. How do you make the monsters interesting 
in Adventurers League because you can do all that. You said that you know you just talked about definitely in a home game. Can you do it in AL? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, no, no, Zach. I said, can you do it in AL? Not yet. I'm Zach, and I just do it anyway. Well, right. you said, can you? Not should you? Uh, that was your flaw, not mine. Um, I, I mean, that that's that's kind of where I was going. I think it, it in my line of thinking for this episode is that what's important is that it's memorable and engaging and exciting, and less so that it's being played by the book, right? So, uh, as a as a small example, um, there's a creature in an AL series that is following the party. And it's supposed to basically be the same creature throughout multiple modules. And the party in, encounters it, they fight it, it retreats or it disappears or blah, blah, blah. And then it comes back later and they fight it again or they have experience with it again. And in my opinion, it, it was kind of boring to have the same thing appear over and over. Hmm. So, you know, on my end, um, eventually it becomes undead, it starts dealing necrotic damage, it gains an armored shell, then at the like at the end of that fight, during the final battle, as you're wailing on it, bits and pieces of that armored shell are breaking off, because they're kind of like a bio, like, chitinous armor, and it's like, as they break off, its armor class is going down, um, it's gaining more powerful, uh, 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 legendary actions as it moves along like none of that is AL legal quote unquote or or at least not by the book AL but it right. sure makes for a more memorable encounter than let's do three encounters with basically the same creature uh, one right after the other I, I think that's a I don't have a problem with that personally yeah I don't either you're not changing the the story Right, you're not changing the the the, the main thrust of the narrative. Uh, you are creating, you're maintaining that synergy between tables and experiences. One combat is just going to be a little, is going to be more flavorful in regards, tactically flavorful, and strategically flavorable than the other one, possibly, or depending mm -hmm. on how it's interpreted by the players. Right, those seem to completely reasonable to me. You know, we we all have, we've talked before about. Maybe not making them more interesting, but making monsters that are more durable. You know, like by maximizing hit points, tacking on another point of AC, whatever, mm -hmm. right? I think that's totally reasonable. And honestly, if we're talking about DM empowerment in AL, it's it, to me it's within the, the DMs, uh, within their toolbox to be able to do. Where like on the fly, if you need to, or if you need to make some adjustments to it, that are not game-breaking, but are making the game more interesting like that, I think that's totally reasonable. That's my interpretation, mm -hmm. at least. I would do that at the table, too. If I, if I looked at my players and my players were yawning because they were finding the same thing for the third time, well, that's that thing needs to... You know, kind of like It needs to evolve into more as it goes along in order to keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. I, I, have done, I have done all those things. I've also combined monsters together mm -hmm. if you know like like Zach was saying you, you, if you're fighting the same 
two or three types of monster for the the all three of these combats and it does it gets boring so maybe uh, depending on what the monsters are take them and and, and just mash the the stat block together mm-hmm. and give it because who knows who knows how those the, the 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 abilities will work together if they're coming from the same creature so to speak or or just turn turn them into a swarm kind of a deal mm-hmm. yeah just just to give it some different um a different feel for not only you running it but for the characters or the players fighting it yeah, well, and, and, and Zach even said when Zach, what you were talking about to me, that's narrative. It's, it is strategic and it's tactical, but it's also narrative. We fought the same thing three times, and it's exactly the same every time that we fought it. That doesn't make any sense to me, narratively, right? Like yeah. there, what happened to it between the first, second, and third fights that changed it at all, and then you and use that a as a, a means fight. to make it more interesting. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a dynamic fight. Right, yeah. like that's the other part of that is you know, crafting a dynamic fight. Uh, especially for as you continue on is important and you don't have a dynamic fight unless the creature has in my opinion unless the creature has you know multiple things that it can do and it's also using legendary actions Um, it's just next to impossible in any other capacity Um, even if you limit like I'll add more reactions yeah in mind yeah, which that's really what it is, right? Like a legendary yeah. action is just a a more freeform set of legendary act or uh, reactions and legendary actions are basically the same thing. Or legendary resistances, which would yeah. be great. But but the the trickiness, right, is that legendary resistances, while useful for um, keeping your your creature upright, aren't engaging at the table, right? They can be, um, I think they can be. Well, I'm saying like frustrating for the players too, right? They've exactly. they've had this one spell in the holster all this time, and they're waiting to be able to to spring it, and then you just hand wave it away. Well, well, and it's such a meta thing at this point. Like, like I, I, well, Zach is frozen. Uh, <laughs> uh, I. He looks like he's yes. in mid-sneeze, too. Yeah, he looks like he's in his mid-sneeze. Um, I agree that it can be a little disappointing, but also, what's more disappointing? You getting a spell slapped away early on in the fight? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, we've we've played this campaign for six months, and we're fighting the big bad, and the we took him out in a round and a half. Action. I'm with you. I'm with, I totally get that. I do get that. So... Um, I'm just trying to look at it from the perspective of the player too, right? But I yeah. think we both are. And we if, both are. And honestly, if it's all, it is also a thing that I think players and DMs should discuss a little bit, because because you know it's like if the players are going to walk into this fight with the big bad, the the culmination of uh, a Serac in Tomb of Annihilation, mm-hmm. and if you walk in. And you blast him with your big guns in the first round of the combat when he is at full power, and you expect that to work, then I have sure. no problem slapping you down. 
Sure. It's like there's because there was no story to that. There was no build up. It's like you walk in, you think you're going to be, you know, big Billy badass mm-hmm. and and take him out in in the first round or two. No, he's at full strength. You have to whittle him down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, you and should probably that, like, allude to that as you're going through the campaign. You're building up to that final final yeah. confrontation. Well, I think about it like this too. Like the where we think about monsters, right? As these, it's I think it's easy when you when you label something a monster that it is a mindless beast or it is like it has animal cunning, but it doesn't have it doesn't understand strategy and it doesn't plan anything. Okay. Whereas if you have an intelligent creature, humanoid, whatever that you're going up against, one of the things that if they know about you, they know you're coming. Now you got contingency. Mm-hmm. Like it's you're not just going to face them on their turf with whatever they have that they would normally have in tow. Mm-hmm. You're going to have they're going to be possibly traps, pitfalls, hazards, um, you know, backup. New minions, whatever yeah. minions that are going to come in, right? They, they, if, especially if they know that you're coming, uh, that you can they, now again go back to the narrative. Narratively, it makes a lot of sense, but and what that does is you don't have to use all those things as a cudgel right. to beat the crap out of the players. You use that as a means to make it more interesting for the players. Like if um, instead of going against going against a Sarah like using Troy's analogy or uh, example, going against Sarah Rack, um, guns blazing, and then you Nova all on him. Well, what if he has other minions that are around him? Like he's got uh, flaming skulls and stuff like that that are flying around and shooting laser beams out of their eye sockets, kind of stuff. Yeah. To where you have more, you have to spread the Nova out to where you're contending against multiple targets. And that that buys that big bad a little bit more. Like it, uh, it makes more sense, right? That they're able to kind of shrug off that initial volley from them because you're having to spread it out across multiple um, multiple creatures at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Or, you know, if you're if you're playing a smart game, and you rush in, and like you said, go Nova. And you go Nova on the Mandarin, but it turns out it's actually Trevor Slattery, and the the Mandarin is behind the scenes pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's all these different layers. So I kind of I kind of look at it like the strategy that they pick is the strategy they pick. If they didn't, if they are not going to pick up on any clues I might be dropping. Mm-hmm. Then that's that's on them. It's not on me. If if uh, you know they still, they're still going to have a chance to pull it out, it might not be how they expected. It might not end in a round or two. But it's going to be a knockdown, dragout fight, which they will talk about more mm-hmm. than oh yeah, I walk, we walked in and did this and did that, then I cast this spell and we were done. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Case in point. Uh, During 4th edition, uh, a friend of mine had the gargantuan red dragon with the the removable fire that comes out, you know, miniature. Mm -hmm. And he'd never had a chance to use it. And he said, okay, 
I'm going to do with, you know, we're going to have a, a, a special one-off. Y'all can make 30th level characters. And you're going to fight this dragon. Mm-hmm. And he gave us a month after he said it. He, he picked the date that he was going to do it, and it was a month mm-hmm. until we did this. Mm-hmm. So those of you that played 4th edition... You know, no, you had to have the D&D Insider um, app or whatever, have be, have be subscribed to it, basically, so you could make a good character. And we all poured over that thing. And we even invited other players to show up. <laughs> and we got there, we sat down, he's got the mini set in there, we've, we've got all of our... Guys, some of us even went out and found special minis for our new characters and all this stuff. Uh, one of my buddies went through and created a barbarian who was built to miss. Because he could roll extra dice on a miss. But then for every four he rolled, he got to roll on, on a d4, he got to roll more d4s. And it was just ridiculous. The dragon lasted a round and a half. <laughs> Crap. That's all and it was like, yeah. that That was it. So, yep. yeah. So, you know, it, it's things like that. It was very, it's a funny story, but it wasn't meant to be a funny story. It was meant to be an epic tale. Right. So... Yeah, well, I've you know what I think that that's that is what there are two time there are a couple of reasons why that happens. A, the players saw something really huge and scary, and they wanted to be prepared for it. The DM underestimated how prepared the players would be. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Another thing is like an example of, is uh, when we ran through in fourth edition the tomb of uh, tomb of horrors. Um, we grossly under I grossly underestimated how nasty that would end up being. Because I thought at the time, whenever, like, well, they're not going to do it like they did at old school. It's fourth edition. There's going to be balanced, so it'll be fine. Nope. I mean, literally, walk through the portal, first encounter, TPK. We ended up doing a retcon on that. Because we're just, like, did not ret- So my, my friend Brian, who has a tendency to play, like, not min-maxed characters, but really effective combat characters, right? Or just really good characters mm-hmm. at whatever they're good at, right? Mm-hmm. Brian, but what Brian's thing is, he only turns one key 99% of the time. The only time he'll ever turn the second key and go nuclear is if the the party's about to, to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so Brian asked everybody's permission. He goes, how do you all feel about me sideblinding this character and me building a character around getting us through this thing from a, from a combat perspective. So that's to me, is the other end of this, too, is where it's like they're facing off against in seemingly insurmountable odds so that players have to overcompensate and swing the pendulum on the other side. To me, that's terrible, terrible, terrible combat design. It's like mm. if, you're, if your players have to... If you're like, I don't want to run a campaign where my players have to like outwit me, or they have to outmin max or twink out their characters as much as possible in order to be effective in combat. I want the combats to still be interesting for 
non like hyper maxed out characters in order to, for them to be able to have to stand a chance against them. Yeah. 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 I I was thinking about the the best ways that I've seen to do that that very thing, right? Where it, it doesn't require a lot of min maxing or whatnot. And I think mm-hmm. I think to me 5e is at its best when the combats are not super long, right? When they mm-hmm. don't go 30,000 rounds. Um and so I tend to like to create like accept the fact within reason that certain monsters don't have a ton of hit points, but make sure that I inject a ton of things into the encounter that can potentially shut down a player or two or three or four, right? Like here's the great thing, right? A cone blast that stuns is really fast to resolve, right? Yeah. And if it's really fast to resolve, but the end result is that if two or three characters fail that save, you have a combat round that is twice as fast because their turn is literally empty, right? Um, And the bell curve or the curve of um, the action economy becomes dangerously in the enemy's favor Mm -hmm. the minute that two or three members of the party start to fall apart. You know, they can't do anything. They're tied down. They're incapacitated. They're stunned. They're unconscious. So, um, I think that that's, that's the thing that I like doing the most is just utilizing save mechanics to do a really quick thing that can have really drastic consequences. So let me ask you this one. Craig mentions like the Avengers scene where Cap is giving out orders and how to deal with a big fight. Everybody's got an important job. Do you ever find yourselves building an encounter or a bad guy around the party? Not around, not just around the narrative, but like, have you ever thought about, well, think, okay, we've got a wizard in there, and I've got a fighter, and I've got a paladin. Let me give them something to do in this fight, whether it's if these minions can be managed by the wizard, or are you, is that dangerous? Right, where you're kind of like you're trying to telegraph what you think the players are going to be are going to do or what they're going to think about strategically. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think that I ever go so far as to build it for particular characters, but I definitely build fights and say I think it's completely reasonable to say, okay, I need something for the tanks to have to handle. Mm-hmm. I need something that's going to really mess with the back line, mm-hmm. right? Those are yep. general str- strategies that I don't feel like are me, you know, looking at their character sheets on D&D Beyond and being like, all right, how do I screw this guy over, right? right. Oh, you know, I see that he's got, the, the wizard it. has this spell prepared. Oh, he should totally, yeah. use, I'll, I'll make something that will, the way he can use that spell, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that, oh, he has a lot of fire spells. I'm going to make this guy completely, everybody in this encounter immune to fire. Um as a as an example, right? Like I think that that's sometimes... the, the happy medium, right? I think the extreme is definitely look looking at the character sheets and trying to find specific tactical things to, to that they can do, as opposed to just saying, you know, you have the your the broad generalities for what each class does, ranged um, fighter, you know, like melee uh, meat shield, that kind of stuff, right? So you do it based on roles as opposed to individual characters, just to give them yeah. something to do. That yep. is, there's an, that gives them an opportunity to have something that, where they can shine in combat instead of 
Like the paladin going in and, and fighting the undead and smite, 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 and we're done. Smite, mm-hmm. smite, smite, yeah. and we're done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I've been finding myself doing more of that in home games. I think it's very difficult to do that whenever you're running AL games and they've already got... Like, first of all, you don't know what your table's going to look like well, most of the time. So you don't know like how you can... If you make it as broad, broadly generalized as, as you can to, towards roles like that and mm-hmm. building an encounter around roles like that, whether all of the roles are going to be filled. Um, and, again, trying to maintain at least some s- semblance of of the synchronicity right between the other tables and what they're encountering and how they're how those encounters are going without going completely off the deep end with how you, with uh, any edits and adjustments to it i find myself doing that with home games though pretty consistently now giving everybody have, something to do have you ever you know since we're talking about basically tweaking the monsters have you ever tweaked a monster thinking oh this is going to work out in my favor and make the combat a little bit more interesting and it blows up in your face. Oh yes. Hmm. I mean, so this last weekend, it almost did, right? Because uh, I I statted up this creature to go from a level one baddie to a level four, you know, party of four, level four characters baddie, and I gave it three legendary actions and each one of those legendary actions did 2d8 plus 4 plus 1d6 damage um it could do it three times on its or yeah three times on its turn in very to, to slightly varying flavor and then it could do three legendary actions doing that as well right so it turned from I don't know what the damage output for the traditional one was, but it was consistently doing uh, 12 points of damage per hit and was hitting two out of three attacks on its turn plus two mm-hmm. out of three of its attacks on the legendary action. So four attacks per round Crap. doing 12, 12. So it's doing 48 points of damage on the average <laughs> round, right? Oof. And I was dropping a character around. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I love about that. At what point did you realize, oh, wow, I think I put a little bit too much juice in the box. And But you're like, yep, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yep. Carry second, on. When the second character went down in like the second round, I was like, okay, well, this could this could kill them. This, this could well, be bad. Not, I, I love how it's, it's not, maybe I should pull back just a little bit on this or make some adjustments. Nope. Let's see if they make it or not. Yep, it's that, not my. It's not my fault that they died. <laughs> once, it's not my once, fault that that I made this this monster way too strong. No, because here's the deal, right? Like, it may be my fault, but the worst thing I could do at that point is is retcon in the moment its damage output, right? And say, well, it's only going to have one legendary action, or well, its attack only do one d eight plus one d six plus four, like. Like all, I'm rolling everything out in the open beforehand. They'll know if I change something, you know, mid-fight. So it's a matter of well, this just means that this fight is going to be deadly, and uh, they're going to have to figure it out. And they did. Like they rose to the occasion. Um, it was you know nail biting, um, but but 
at the end of the day. They had just enough healing, just enough tactics, and just enough reroll tickets because it was a con. There, um, it, is. there it is. That's, that they that's were able Zach's to ace in the hole to uh, to cover up his mistakes. Yeah, is is uh, it's pay to play. Yeah, it's pay to play. Pay to win. Yeah, yeah, pay to win. Pay to win. Microtransactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, they had, they they canceled two critical hits in that combat, and that probably would have made the difference. So. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's but yeah, no, it it's it's I I, re- I refuse to dumb it down once we're started because um, mm-hmm. that that destroys even if it's still a good fight, it destroys the feel of the fight the moment the players recognize that you have adjusted it for their mm-hmm. benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they really care if they if you adjust it for your benefit, right? Like, if you're like, oh, geez, these guys are going to kill this guy in a round and a half, like you said, Troy, this red dragon. I think saying, well, this red dragon has three times the hit points. Now, most players aren't going to know, and those that do know, most of them aren't going to care. It's just a very, very few. Yeah. I, uh, before I tell you, you know, to speak about my somewhat, it wasn't a failure. It just doesn't, didn't go off the way I expected it to. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the co- the Covillian method of using at least inspiration, if not directly pulling from the fourth edition monster manual, because they had great monsters in there. You know, when they hit half hit points, something happens here. If this kind of a thing happens, they get to do this. Mm-hmm. So those little pieces of flavor. I really enjoy and yeah they do not hurt fifth edition at all and I think fifth edition monsters would do well to have a little dip in the in the 4e pool mm-hmm. we've talked about that before the monster yeah. manual how they they went swung way too far away from 4e when it came to that we yes. created a bunch yeah. of really yes. bland monsters in the monster manual now yeah what I will do like I said you know I don't necessarily like you know peruse and 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 add stuff directly from the 4e monster manual you know and you can't do that in the middle of the game so what i will do but is keep that in mind that whole well this guy is just stomping all over these guys if they can get him to half hit points he'll lose a die of damage on his hits because he's weakening and then i can use that in the narrative like you know, you've done this, and all of a sudden, you know, he just drops to one knee. It looks as if something has happened, and you've just taken a lot of the fight out of him. But he gets back up and keeps going. That kind of a thing, just to keep it. Or maybe, if if a certain if if a character does a certain thing, maybe they'll lose a the second attack for this round, or whatever. So, but it has to come from the actions of the player characters. It's not something I'm just going to say, well, from now on, this guy only does one attack per round at half damage from what he was doing. Well, it, you know, there has to be something in the story for that. Mm-hmm. But for my almost failure, and uh, I believe uh, Girk can attest to this. Um, 
in an in in early season 10 module, there are supposed to be a bunch of zombies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. I want to ratchet up the horror on this, and I want more zombies. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, zombies have, what, 22 hit points? They get down to the last hit point. Unless it was a crit or radiant damage, they then have to roll a con save. And if they if they make that con save, they remain at one hit point. Mm-hmm. So I decided, ooh, I want to make this scarier. I want to freak these people out. So I'm going to add more zombies, but they all only have one hit point. So that way, every time they get hit, I'm rolling that con save. And so I'm expecting piles of zombies in this last cave. And that is where, yep, and and thus the super zombie was born. And I I was always kind of, you know, trying to be a smart ass and say, "Oh, okay, you hit me, so uh I got to roll my con save and I got to tell you my zombies are very healthy and I'd roll <laughs> and I don't think I rolled on the die anything less than a 15. Hmm. Round after round after round. They would beat on the same zombie for 3 or 4 rounds. And it would not drop. That's dangerous, and, right? Yeah. And they all only had one hit point. It was unbelievable. It's great. That's a great way to have a zombie, though. One hit point and a maybe just a slightly higher than its typical constitution save. That's I didn't like, even mm-hmm. do that. I didn't. Yeah. I I didn't even change it. I didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's poor Ranger was just running around, just getting pummeled. Everybody was like casting healing and throwing healing <laughs> potions and doing whatever they could and yeah no <laughs> i think at one point at one point in that little cave room and i think it was with girk's group there were 13 zombies running around hmm. Hmm. and i'm just like nuts. I, i've already set the precedent four four zombies come out of the walls every round yeah it's not my fault I'm rolling so well. <laughs> but yeah, it was... Uh, Would have been nice to have a screen at that point. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, that was roll 20, sir. Well, then whisper. The computer whisper. is the screen. This oh, one. yeah, so that wouldn't have made it obvious at all. Mm-mm. I'm rolling no. out in the open, rolling out in the open. I think <laughs> no, I'm gonna no, start that's why you don't do whisper. it at all. The screen nope. is there for a reason, man. It's a reason. There's a reason for it. Yeah, it's a mm. crutch. Cool. I'll take it. It's, I'll take it. I'll use a, I'll I will I will use the crutch for better games. It's it's Oof. it's a crutch for the DM mm-hmm. to steal the story from the from the players. Steal is what the story. That is a gross accusation, sir. It is a, it is an accurate ac- accusation because the dice push the story and the players, like you just said, who was it that said that they rose up? Zach, right? Mm-hmm. You said they rose up and they finally won. Yep. And you didn't change anything, but they pulled it out. Why? Because they were resourceful and they, they looked at their abilities. They looked at what they had. 
and they were inspired and they came back and they did some cool stuff. Yeah. Instead of me being hiding, you know, quivering and and, and cowering behind listen, my DM screen listen, to say you got to go to Gen Con last week. You got to be nice to me, okay? That's, be nice. That's not. I am being works. nice. I'm yeah. trying to tell you that a GM screen <laughs> is trying, a crutch. He's, tr- he's trying to learn you. I'm yeah. trying to learn you up, son. Let me love you. Let me love let you. Me Why love don't you? you let me love you. Stop resisting. <laughs> Never. Uh, Oh, but Gert, piece of my Gert was at the end of the game. Was it not a blast when you guys finally put the last tag in the wall and the zombies this, stopped coming? This is the moment when mom and dad are fighting. When they look over at the kid and say, "Did I ever say that?" And they pull the kid in. Poor Gert. Poor. Gert. Yeah, it was acceptable. It was acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Gert? Uh, that's funny. No ice cream for you. <laughs> and you're going to bed without dessert. You want to live with your mother, don't you? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, was, that got dark really fast. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, okay, let me ask this. So, we're getting, we're, I think we're, we're at a pretty yeah. good spot with this. Do we want to distill this down into, for those that stuck it out and they heard kind of like the, the expanded form. Do we want to give like a like a quick blurb for uh, for what our the actual recommendations are for uh, for enhancing your monsters or and some things like that? Yeah, sure. I think that's a good call. Um, so on my end, it's going to be legendary actions are for every monster. Don't be scant with them. Um, shake things up. Uh, don't be afraid to rework uh, damage types and give them weird stuff. Uh, basically, look at the stat block as it's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh bear droid, make them homogeneous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Don't be, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. Uh, Beardroid, you 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 are my favorite person this evening. That's, so that is awesome. You, you get that. <clears throat> but no, it's just uh, I think I think that 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 the the quickest thing that we can say is that I can say is the stat block is the starter set, mm. the starting point, and find weird, powerful things to deal lots of damage or shut down things in a hurry with fast saves. And uh, don't try to drag the combat out 16 rounds. That's the wrong way mm-hmm. to do it. Right. The right. It's it's exciting things should be happening in rounds one and two um, that shift the that could shift the tide of the fight in a hurry. Um, you don't. We don't necessarily need a, an epic combat to be 15 rounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. A three or four round combat that's exciting and fun is a lot better than a. Uh, a, ten a slog, slog. Of, of 10 or 20. Yeah. Yep. Same thing for me. I'll, I'm going to, I'll stick to, I'll stay on brand. Um, narrative is important, right? I mean, ta- you can, and your tactical and your strategy can be informed by the narrative of the, the monsters, creatures, or baddies that you're using, and vice versa, right? Um, 
for everything it's in its place or for everything a play uh to have a place and everything in its place for it to make mm-hmm. sense right um and then um environment is important to the the encounters and um when you have those fights with lots and lots of creatures giving them some personality, each one an individual personality, not every single one, right? But one or two that are standouts um, narratively. That's fun to me. It's not only is it fun as a, as, a, as a DM, but also when I'm on the player's side, it's the, like, why does the... the he, but the DM just mentioned the, the goblin with a ward on its nose that's, you know, as big as its nose. Given that that just a little bit of personality, and then there's more to it than that, right? Mm. That's just a way of identifying that specific one that there's something different about them because they got pointed out. Um, and then to kind of sticking to what Zach was saying, then tweaking and playing with the the abilities, stats, and, and whatnot of that particular creature to make it the standout. Everything else becomes a mook and a minion, but then you have these little weirdos that are in there adding some additional flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my thing is uh, if you haven't done this yet if you haven't embraced what they call DM empowerment just yet mm-hmm. uh, start small uh, Sly mm-hmm. Flourish uh, talks a lot on his podcast uh, about the dials that he tune he tunes during combat that's damage output and hit points mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he doesn't really touch armor class because armor class is armor class but you can tweak mid-combat the damage output and the hit points to make you know if if this owlbear is just kicking the crap out of your your players and it would be a very lackluster blah death if you got a tpk because this one random encounter in the woods with an owlbear maybe the owlbear was already wounded you know whatever you have to do to justify in your head why the hit points aren't what it says in the book and remember when you look at a stat block in the monster manual or any book of monsters that hit point number is the average yep you are allowed to i mean allowed air quotes to make those hit points anywhere between you know anywhere that those dice would actually take you you can drop the hit points down you can raise the hit points up mm-hmm. so keep that in mind just like the damage as well the average damage is there to if you're in a time crunch you could just use that every time you hit to plow through your combats to to make it faster for you mm-hmm. for the, on the dm side of things mm-hmm. but uh you know if Maybe this ogre is the uh, the ogre king of the area. Does double the damage. Has mm-hmm. maximum hit points. Mm-hmm. Tweak those two knobs for a while. Get used to that. And then maybe add, oh, he's so... This ogre is so powerful that uh, maybe he has a single legendary action that he can do. Maybe it's a, sing- a legendary action that he can only do every other round. Or give him a, a, an ability that recharges. Whatever. Add little things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Shadow Zach, 
exactly bloodied and, and other conditions from 4e can be used as a a mechanic in 5e so when you're when your monster drops to half its hit points something kicks off and mm-hmm. to me that should be a, a thing for like all dragons and things like that when a dragon hits half hit points the breath weapon automatically recharges, recharges. yep when because uh, you know, there's monsters out there that get advantage if they're fighting something that doesn't have its full hit points, mm-hmm. because Vampires. it's because it's, it's bleeding in the, the yeah, sense if, of if blood. A, yeah, if you're bloodied around a vampire, yeah, you become um, a target or whatever. And that's something uh, to kind of tie it back with the intro at our booth at Gen Con, talking, you know, giving the pitch on uh, one of our products, uh, Oceanic Depths, I, I turned to this just really amazingly kick-ass, awesome villain named Nikasis. Just saying. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there talking about the what we've added to these monsters, like backgrounds and motivations and things like that. And the, the one of the gentlemen that I was talking to just looked at and he goes, You've given this guy legendary actions. It's like, yeah. He's like, that is awesome, and that's what this game needs more of. I'm buying Mm -hmm. the book. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the the monsters need to be more dynamic. And it's a process. It's an art to to make them that way. You're not going to... There's no one right way to do this. Practice, tinker, try out. Use what we've suggested. Come up with new things. If you hit on something cool, please drop us a line. Let us know because maybe we haven't thought of it yet. Yeah, definitely. Probably haven't. So, that's mine. Awesome. I think we may have lost Zach. He froze Either that or he's contemplating. Really, really, really percolating on. Uh, he's he's just formulating. He's just formulating. So, uh, John, do you have anything else you want to talk about while uh, Zach is is focused? I don't. Um, what we can do is we can talk a little bit about where you can, if you missed us at, missed me, obviously, at Gen Con, but you want to see us, we're going to be at Origins uh, soon. Um, if you want, if you missed us there or are going to miss mm-hmm. us in person, you can always find us online. You can find us through our Facebook page, Twitch, um Twitter account is out there somewhere collecting dust and cobwebs, I'm sure. But uh, reach out to us. We love uh, input, insight, engagement. You know, if you've got any questions or anything like that, feel free to hit us up uh, in the in the usual the usual fashions, and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, if, if in this, I'm really curious to see other other DMs inputs. I mean, obviously the three of us are not the like the deciding factor on what is the right way or the only way to enhance your monsters or, like you know, essentially uh, to beef up your uh, your baddies. So, I mean, I'm always interested to hear from other DMs how they do it. So if you get out there in social media and engage with us, let us know what you think. Uh, Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. By all means. Zach, do you want to take us out? Yep. Well, hey, thanks a lot for uh, tuning in. Uh, 
we look forward to chatting with you. Uh, let's see. Our next episode will probably be on Sunday. Yeah. Where we dive into uh, something. We're not sure yet. We'll figure it out then. Um, maybe some more uh, Kickstarters. You never know. Um, mm-hmm. So thanks a lot for everyone in chat. Thanks to John. Thanks to Troy for hanging out one more time. And until next week, we'll see you next time. Have a great game, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe out there. Last night on the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, we incorrectly stated that John had said a word incorrectly. We apologize for such inconsistencies, and we will work to better ourselves in the future. Sincerely, (laughs) Troy and Zach. There you go. It'd be perfect.